0: Listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life. How are you guys doing? Doing? I'd be like, "Boo, we're doing horrible." <laughs> that would be bad. I think that's a setup question that we can get a good answer for every time. Oh. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to be here with you guys. My name is Josh Gray. I am the Moscow Campus Pastor, and I'm here with.
1: Hello. Good morning. My name is Emmy Salisbury. I'm the Youth Pastor here.
0: All right. There we go. They never say that for you and I, Aaron. All right. You're not
1: as pretty, I guess.
0: I guess, probably not. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, we're excited to bring a message. We're transitioning to our Advent series, and so... I mean, I get the privilege of uh, talking about the first part of our Advent series and talking about the hope that we have. You know, the home group stuff is super cool. I'd love to brag on my home group. Those guys are doing life together, having Thanksgiving together at different times, helping each other with with car stuff and helping helping me with fixing my bathroom, caulking, like our home group's actually doing life. And so you're going to be encouraged over and over and over again that that is the next step. Sunday's great. It's awesome. But to have community, to have hope, And to be in a home group. So we hope that uh, you guys are hearing that. And I know you'll hear more of it. But they're awesome. They're doing so great. So as we dive into this series, we kind of want you to think of this uh, in great anticipation. And we want you to actually think of it as like the temple. And approaching the temple. And goes along with our story today. And you'll see on this graphic. So today, here we are. We're on these outside steps. Entering our way to the Holy of Holy. Which we'll land on when the Lord is born here, but think about these outside steps as a place of education, a place of, of knowledge, a place of, of understanding and hearing what the hope could be for for the future. And as we dive in today, we're going to dive in a little deeper and, and maybe uh, uh, tear apart hope more and more and more to realize what kind of hope do we have. Let's, let's look at our text today. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when that time uh, for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And the disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is along in yours as well. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed uh, so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for uh, five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said, and these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I Emmy,
1: mean, why don't you break that down? All right, so we have these two people, Zachariah and Elizabeth. God calls them in this text that they are blameless and that they have upheld, they are righteous, they have upheld all the commands, everything, all the requirements that is asked of them to follow the Lord, I love what Brad Gray, um, when he was here, hopefully you guys all got to be a part of that, he described, um, he said that righteousness is the standard of right relationship that we have between God and other people. So when these two points are, are healthy and fully engaged, this is where we have righteousness. So they are doing everything they humanly know how to press in and to be righteous but they are barren. You know God is mad at you two ways. You get leprosy and you can't conceive. So these people are pursuing God with everything they have. But the inability to conceive says they're doing something wrong. Because in their mindset, God allows bad things to happen to bad people and good things to happen to good people. Their stories aren't lining up, they're getting old. They're barren. And then Zechariah is being called to the temple to go serve. He's going there with so much shame and condemnation because not only are they feeling the weight of her barrenness, everybody else sees that they are childless. Everybody else stands in shame with them. They are judged, people are whispering behind their backs. It seems really hopeless, and now he's gotta go serve at the temple? So these priests, there's this, if you enter the most holy place with sin, you're dead. Like, you just, you die. And that's why they tie a rope around the priest's ankle, that if they haven't moved around, if, if they're feeling like they're taking a little bit of time, they probably figure that they're dead, and so they have a rope to pull them out. So I'm sure Zachariah has this rope around his ankle, and he's thinking, okay, I... I gotta go, I gotta go in there. Um, I know I've tried everything you've asked me to, to do, God. I feel like there is nothing more I can do. But my circumstance says otherwise. I'm taking one step and don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die. And I'm sure everybody else, they said everybody's out here praying, please don't make us use the rope, please don't make us use the rope, please don't make us use the rope. And he gets in there and he's met by an angel, because I believe God meets us in our insecurity and our doubt. And the angel says, hey, you know, I see what you've been doing. You're worthy, you're worthy of this cause of bringing up the messenger of Messiah. And Zachariah's like, what, huh, me? Like?" Why, am I bar- why, why are we childless then? Apparently, apparently we're doing something wrong and yet you're gonna tell me I have to raise up a kid that I don't have for Messiah to be the messenger of Messiah. I think there's two kinds of doubt. One doubt that says this is completely bonkers, you're insane, I'm checking out and we're going this way. Then there's this doubt that says I am so in, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I'm in, and it presses in to a life that's gonna be fully engaged in living. God knew Zachariah's heart. He knew that he, he had what it took. He and Elizabeth were righteous people. They have what it takes to bring up this, this son. And so in this doubt, I think God said, Zachariah, I see you, and I know that you're a good guy, and I know you're a doer, and if I told you to do it, you'd probably do a great job, but this is my story. So you're gonna sit down, you're gonna be quiet, and you're not gonna have any ability to have any part in this because you're gonna see with your own eyes how I'm gonna make this happen so he causes him to go mute and deaf. When our life circumstances don't make sense, God has an amazing way to use righteous people to do crazy things, because in our righteousness it opens up this ability to say, all right, God, I'm gonna stand back and let you do your thing and this gives us hope. And Josh is gonna unpack that.
0: Yeah, I think about the word hope. um, I've used it cheaply. I've used it like I hope that, uh, remember when the lottery was like two billion? I was thinking about buying my first lottery ticket, didn't do it, so I had slightly less of a chance than those of you who did. (laughs) But like, yeah, I hope I win the lottery, I hope. And I hope that my team wins their bowl game. Or I hope that, you know, the, my football team wins their game today. Or those types of hope. The word, I hope I'm first in line on, on Black Friday so I can get that TV that's a great deal. Or I hope, and the word hope can get thrown around, for, or I've thrown it around in different ways uh, then, I think that it, came, that it was used biblically a couple different words for hope uh, in the Bible uh, in the Hebrew uh, we have ye call," which means to wait for or you 'll call me later no, you call um, and so you call they use that word like with Noah when uh, the floods were uh, he was waiting for the floods to recede he was calling for the floods to recede. he was waiting for that so uh, not great anticipation, or maybe for some of you in here, it's like you, you call for your wife to be ready to leave. You're wait not with anticipation. Wait, did the, did the hair dryer go off? Is she coming? Or maybe you're the dude and you're the one that's late, so I'll beat up on you guys too. But you're, or you're waiting on your husband to complete that project at home. There we go. <laughs> like, ah, oh, just anticipation, Right? Uh, and then there's uh, kavah, which is to wait with anticipation. And this is a different kind of hope. This is a, a gotta have type of hope. Like if this doesn't happen, it ain't gonna work. It's not a, it would be nice to. It's, a, it's gotta, it's gotta, it's gotta happen. And in the Greek, there's Peace, which is a hope that is based on a person. The risen Jesus. And they would use this word in the New Testament. Actually, let's look at uh, Romans here. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, el peace character, hope. Hope in what? Hope in the risen one. And hope does not put us to shame. Our Lord and Savior does not put us to shame. This hope we have. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So as we think about this season and you think about hope, What kind of hope do you have? Have you been in that spot where you have, you gotta have, it just drops you to your knees like, Lord, this marriage, I don't know how long I can hold on. And you're just with an anguish, Lord, I have this hope, I need you. Or you're, uh, we have a couple in our care group and she got hit in a head-on car accident a number of years ago and they're on surgery number like, 27, And he slept on the hospital floor for two months, hoping, 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 Lord, save my wife. Different kind of hope, huh? This is not the hope of lottery hope. This is the hope of I got to have it. And even this morning, I was visiting with another couple and they uh, are in a, care, in a home group, and they drove to Portland, Oregon to be with somebody in their home group who had a baby that was uh, not going to make it and didn't make it. And I was talking to them, and I was like, man, I, man that's, that's home group. That's what it's about. You drive six, seven hours to be with somebody and pray and spend time with them. And they said, yeah, well, unfortunately, we had experience in that. 30-some years ago. And through their despair, through perseverance, through suffering produces hope. They were able to take their hope from their loss, right? And not fix their situation because that situation isn't fixed. It doesn't make sense. But they were there to be there to give hope to like, yeah, this is horrible, this is awful, and it hurts for a long time and there's pieces that are never, might, might never be fixed, but we're gonna be okay because we're gonna walk through with you. That's the hope that I hope that we would have for this season as we anticipate. We just, you gotta come, Lord. You gotta come into my life.
1: So where do we find this hope? Well, in today's story, we're gonna find it through prophecy. So let's identify what prophecy is. There are two different kinds and today we're gonna to talk about these two. There's the foretelling, it's the predicted future. This is going to happen, it has a supernatural, God said this, it's gonna be. We saw that with Gabriel. Then there's forthtelling. It's calling out the truth of where we're headed. So we're standing on a hillside, we see a train headed this way, a truck headed this way, what's gonna happen, devastation. We're able to see something, it's like what Aaron said, like when you sow good, um, when the acts that lead to life, lead to life, acts lead to death, lead to death, type of thing, that's going to be forth telling. So as we read um, this next little chunk of scripture, I want you to just keep in mind prophecy, okay? Luke 1, 57 through 80. Then they made signs to his father, this is where we think um, the deafness came in, to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to, the, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. It had been nine months and nine days that this man could not speak. He had some things to say What's so great about this prophecy, Zachariah, had st- he had sat at those steps at the temple that we're talking about today. He knew his text. He knew that there were prophecies of a messenger, of a messiah. And in this prophecy, he is retelling a story of prophecies that we find. Two that I want to point out. um, The horn of salvation that's found in 1 Samuel chapter two. That was when Hannah, who she also was barren, she begged God for a little one. And she said, God, if you'll just give me a son, I will dedicate him to service of the temple. God came through for her. And this verse, the horn of salvation, is from her praise of her God that came through. The second one in verse 76 is from Malachi 3, verse one. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to this temple and the messenger of the covenant who you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Zechariah quotes prophecies from Micah, Malachi, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Psalms. His prophecy is peppered with prophecy. He had been told That this God who had been so quiet, it had been 400 years between when God last spoke and this point, there wasn't a lot of hope. But Zechariah was coming back and saying, see, that prophecy, it's coming, it's coming, it's here. And that's why it's so important for us today for us to sit on these temple steps and to hear our rabbi proclaim his prophecy because when life is hard and we can't even think straight, like we can't even think about what to make for dinner, God's prophecies come back to us and say, I will never leave you or forsake you. I've got this. I see you. We sit on these steps and we remember God's prophecy Sometimes we sit there as a student. Sometimes we gotta get up and turn around and sit down and start telling everybody what God has done for us. It is in these moments that when life does not make sense, we hang on to the one who told us he would never, ever leave us. He will come through for us, and he's putting a plan in place right now And as we think about this, we're gonna go through some implications. We're gonna do communion together, so if you are um, serving communion, go ahead and make your way back. If you are new with us, please feel free to join us at the table. We just ask that um, you're willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our king. Hang on to the elements, and we will take it all together as a family, and Josh is gonna go through our first implication.
0: i this just sitting in for you guys on when we're talking about the hope, the kind of hope that we're talking about. And I was thinking about that couple that spent their time, energy, and effort and money in hotels to drive to Portland to stay with a friend of theirs to, to love on them. I'm like, what would you call them? Well, you'd call them a Christian. You'd call them a disciple. But to fit in with our message today, I'd call them a A hope dealer. Putting the right emphasis on the right syllables, is that how it goes? Hope dealer. And do you consider yourself a hope dealer? Do you keep the hope and that you have and the experiences you've had, do you keep those inside for you to, to hold on to? Because it might embarrass you if, if, if there was something wrong with you, that something happened, but you, to give somebody else hope? Because to be a hope dealer, you gotta be transparent. To be a hope dealer, you gotta be available. Taking that precious resource of time. And then you gotta be willing to give that hope. Can you give something that you don't have? Answer is no. I mean, you could, I guess, if you stole it, but no. No, I'm right. Uh, you gotta you got have that hope. And to be able to give that out and give that out freely and share your life and share your heart with people. Because that's what we do. We point them to the Prince of Peace we point them to the hope of all hope, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that life will eventually be better because living in a life with that kind of hope is different than lottery hope. So first implication, being righteous isn't always going to lead to everyone understanding you or or every situation making sense. Didn't make sense for Zachariah and Elizabeth, right? That's a lot of years To be righteous and blameless. It's funny, we condense that story into about a five minute story, and we're talking about 40, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of hope. I don't know if I have that kind of faith, that kind of hope. But it does lead to God opening doors that would otherwise stay shut. What kind of hope do you want to have this season? What does it look like? What does it look like for you to be a hope dealer? To share with people what God has done in your life, to share the hope that you have for somebody's marriage, somebody's child, somebody's finances. What does that look like?
1: The second implication. The story God is telling in the world has never changed and is actively being played out in the midst of all of the world's ups and downs, disappointment and pain. We have a God who promises to come through for us. This is my world right now. I'm in a season of life, it's just hard. My marriage, my finances, my parenting, what my kids are going through, my family. Without Jesus, I would be a person of despair. It's hard. But we have a God whose book is full of promises for us. That he's gonna come through. Every morning I wake up like it's Christmas morning when I was a kid and I think about what's under the tree, I can't wait. What did I get? Is it gonna be great? I wake up and I think, God, today's the day. You're gonna come through somehow. But even if he's silent, I know that there's tomorrow, and I know he's a good God. There's been a song that I just wanna read the lyrics over you guys, that if you are in a season like mine where it's just hard, and I love that we, there's a song just coming right out of the worship series that when, uh, like Kelly said, when you can't worship, let somebody else worship for you. Maybe if you can worship, worship for somebody else. I think it's the same for prophecy That when sometimes I don't believe, or I have a hard time, I need somebody to remind me, and this song is it for me. It's Prophesy Your Promise by Brian and Katie Torwalt. And I will probably cry, so I'm sorry. I found you in the middle of my mess. You'd been there all along. Open arms and open heart you called me, and you didn't hesitate at all and the lies I once believed, they crumble. With the weight of your truth and the fear that grip my heart, it's arrested, so I can see you. When I only see in part, I will prophesy your promise. I believe you, God. Because you finish what you start, I will trust you in the process. I believe you, God. You set a table in the middle of my war. You knew the outcome of it all. When I faced, when what I faced looked like it would never end, you said, watch the giants fall. And the lies I once believed, they crumble, and the weight of your truth and the fear that gripped my heart is arrested. So I can see you. Fear can go to hell. Shame can go there too. I know whose I am. God, I belong to you. I want to invite you that when it's just hard, you prophesy those promises louder than the lies that are being told to you.
0: And our last implication, as we think about this, uh, this Advent, the reality of a fulfilled prophecy of a low-born king gives us extreme biblical hope because God's story in our lives through Jesus is still playing out. There are people in the next 24 days, 23 days that are the best gift that you could give them is the gift of hope. Of what God has done in your life, how he's changed your heart, how he's moving you closer to them, and being available to hear their story. People want to be heard. That's giving hope. So this Christmas, we invite you to prepare to enter the Holy of Holies and to meet our lowborn king.
1: And what we hold in our hand today is the greatest fulfillment of prophecy. There are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament and this is the answer to them all. And what we're doing today when we take this together is we are collectively prof- prophesying that God's story is good and we're all in. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat. Then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Let's remember. God, you're a good dad. What a good dad you are. In those times that it just is hard God, we look to you because you are the author of hope and you don't leave your kids, you don't walk away. You will look for any and every excuse to come after us. God, we love you and we praise you and we just ask God that you move in this place because we need you and we love you, amen. We have an awesome song that Kelly wrote for this Advent season. It's gonna be the theme um, all the, the weeks that we celebrate together. So if you guys wouldn't mind standing, we will learn this new song together.
0: Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.